Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, going to be looking at a, should be a familiar passage to you. If you spent much time in church or Sunday school at all through the years. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23, a message I've entitled, God in Our Storms. Please stand with me, out of honor to God in his word, as I read. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Thank you. you may be seated. You know, when it comes to storms, uh, it's kind of hard to find a joke that's got storms in it because storms aren't really funny. But I did find one I had to alter a little bit. There was a sailor who met a pirate, and this pirate had a peg leg, a hook, and an eye patch. So the sailor asked, how'd you end up with the peg leg? The pirate replies, aye, matey, we was in a terrible storm at sea, and I was swept overboard with a school of sharks. Just as me men were pulling me out, a shark bit me leg off. Wow, what about your hook, the sailor asked. Well, replied the pirate, it were another storm, and I was in a fierce sword fight with another pirate, and he cut me hand off. Incredible, said the sailor. How'd you get the eye patch? T'was yet another storm, and me eye was itching, said the pirate. And the sailor's incredulous. He said, you lost your eye to an itch? Not exactly, said the pirate. Was me first day with the hook. All right. So anyway, God in our storms. First of all, I want you to see that life is stormy. Life is stormy. The discipleship was going through a terrible storm. We read that there in verse 24. Now, these are actually common on the Sea of Galilee, these storms that are described here. It is a very small sea. A lot of times when people go to Israel, they say, "How that, that lake is so small, how can you get these big storms? But it's actually quite common. It is a small sea with big danger. But Matthew describes this as a tempest in verse 24 there. And the word tempest in the Greek is seismos, like a, a seismogram or seismograph earthquake. So Matthew says this is an earthquake. So this may not even be a typical Sea of Galilee storm. This is a huge, big deal. The wind and waves were beating against the ship. The ship was filling with water. It was sinking. Life is stormy. The disciples were going through a terrible storm. And you know, storms come our way as well. Troubles at home, unemployment, illness, natural disasters, death, high gas prices. I mean, storms come our way. And believers experience the same storms that unbelievers do. I mean, think about it. Just because these guys were Jesus' disciples in Jesus' very present uh, didn't keep the trouble away. They were right there with Jesus, and the boat was sinking. The ship was filling with water. It got really bad. In fact, being a disciple, Jesus said, ensures trouble. When you are a true follower of Christ, that ensures you will have trouble. Here's what... Uh, John said in John 16 and 33, These things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have tough times in this world. It's a guarantee. In fact, early Christian art often depicted the church as a boat 
on a raging sea. They weren't just depicting this story out of Matthew or out of Mark or out of Luke. They are depicting the fact that as Christians, as the church, we're like we're on a boat and the boat's being tossed around in the sea. Because in this life, we will have trouble. You see, God doesn't keep all troubles from us in this life. He doesn't. But he does make sure we can handle them. Handle them. We talked about this last Sunday night. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. And so God does not keep all troubles from us in this life, but he does make sure we can handle them before they get to us. And whenever I read this verse, and I shared this Sunday night, I think about how many things God rejects on my behalf. Because he's already determined when the bad times come, when the storms come, whatever they might be on my life, he has already determined that he and I are going to handle that together, no problem. And so I often think, of what's all the other stuff? It's coming my way, and God sees it and says, you know what, he can't take care of it. He can't handle it. And so he does, I don't know where it goes, but it doesn't go to me. And so I'm grateful. And keep in mind, too, that God doesn't always deliver us from, but he always delivers us through our troubles. And it is our faith through the storms that sets us apart from unbelievers. Again, we, we go through the same storms that unbelievers do. But it's our faith through the storms that sets us apart from them. As we go through the storms, we have peace. As we go through the storms, uh, we have patience. As we go through the storms, we have joy. And we can be an example to others of how to weather life storms. No matter how bad it gets, you already know God has determined that you can make it. And so you can be at peace. You can have patience. You can have joy. In fact, this is one of the ways we witness to others. We witness to our fellow believers, showing them, yeah, it's tough, but I still got Jesus. And we witness to unbelievers as they ask us, all this stuff that's going on in your life. How can you be so calm? How can you have such peace? How can you still have joy? And you say, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ, my Savior. And so life is stormy. Secondly, I want you to see that God is in control. Now, Jesus was in the ship, uh, in the ship sleeping. Uh, we see here Jesus' humanity. He was wiped out. He had been preaching. He had been healing all day long. He was tired. And so he goes to sleep. He's not only sleeping during the storm. He was sleeping soaking wet. When I used to hear this story or read the story, I would think, well, Jesus was below deck. He was down there. The boat was rocking, and that kind of rocked him to sleep, but he didn't get wet. Oh, yes, he did. They didn't have a below deck on these boats on the Sea of Galilee. There was one deck. And Jesus was on it, and he was soaking wet and sound asleep. He was wiped out. But he also knew everything would be okay. And he knew nothing could happen to hinder his mission. But Jesus was not acting irresponsibly here. He was teaching us how to handle our storms. He was showing us faith in action. Because as I shared back on Mother's Day, sleep is actually one of God's blessings. Now, I know some people have trouble sleeping. And the older you get, the more difficult it gets to sleep, as I understand. And I'm experiencing some of that. Even now, I got an amen <laughs> for there. Yeah. 
And so if you're not sleeping, that doesn't mean that, you know, God has cursed you. But the Bible does say that sleep is one of God's blessings. Look here, Psalm 127 and verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. But you know, sometimes it seems that God is asleep during our storms. He doesn't fix our problems. He seems to ignore our prayers. Things keep going from bad to worse. God, what's wrong? Are you asleep? Are you even there? Do you even know? Know this. The God of Israel never sleeps. Look at Psalm 121 and verse 4. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God's aware. God knows what you're going through. He's already determined that you and he can handle it together. God was in control of this storm from start to finish. Jesus knew about the storm before it even began. Jesus knew. Uh, Maybe he looked up and he saw the, the clouds gathering. Or maybe there wasn't any of that. But he knew anyway. He knew about the storm before it even began. And he chose to go into the storm. Now why would he do that? Because he knew he would reveal more of himself to his disciples then and now through that storm. And what Jesus did, he caused them to shift their focus from the sea to the Savior. And my friends, you need to keep that in mind as you're going through your own storms. Jesus is going to focus you away from the sea and to the Savior, to him. He needs to be our focus during the storms, not the storm. Jesus calmed the storm with his word. If you look in verse 26... It says he rebuked the winds and the waves. He rebuked the storm. We get an actual quote in Mark 4.39 where Jesus says, Peace, be still. And everything was still. The wind stopped. The waves stopped. And there was complete peace. As though that boat was floating on a piece of glass. He calmed the storm with his word. And the Word of God still calms storms. When you read the Word of God during storms, it will bring great comfort to you. God will speak to you through His Word to help you and He to get through the storms together. But if you're already reading your Bible every day, as I have encouraged you to do since I've been here, and I'm sure previous pastors did the same, if you're already reading the Word of God every day, you'll be reading it during the storm. God's word still calms storms. But when Jesus tells this storm, peace, be still. He was showing that he's sovereign over creation. He was showing that he is God. He not only created all the elements that made that storm, he controlled them. So we learn that we're not to ignore our storm. Don't ignore the storms in your life. If you're not going through a storm right now, maybe you just came out of one or you're going to be going into one. But don't ignore your storms. Here's the advice. Get some sleep during them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So cast your cares upon him and get some sleep. 
Everything will be okay. Look at this precious promise from Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together. That means the storms too. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's going to be okay. And remember, nothing can hinder your mission. God has a purpose for you. For each and every one of you. God has a purpose for you. And death cannot come until God's complete purpose for you is accomplished. I just did a funeral for a friend of mine. Just got back yesterday over in Pennsylvania. She was 100 years old. And she still had a purpose. She still had a reason and God was still using her. But once her time was done, once God's complete purpose for her was fulfilled, then she went to be with him. And I want to tell you, not only because she was 100 years old, because, but also because she was a mighty, godly, prayer warrior woman, we rejoiced at that funeral. We rejoiced. But nothing can hinder your mission. God has a purpose for you. Death cannot come until God's complete purpose for you is accomplished. Jesus knew this, but the disciples did not. Jesus knew that he had to die on the cross and rise again. Disciples didn't know that. Jesus knew that John had to write the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But John didn't know that. Jesus knew that James and Jude had to write their respective books. They didn't know that. Jesus knew that Peter had to preach at Pentecost and write 1st and 2nd Peter, but Peter didn't know that. But God had a purpose for these men. And no matter how bad the storm got, nothing could hinder God's purpose until it was completed and fulfilled. And so what did Jesus do? He went to sleep. He went to sleep. Because he knew that. No matter how bad it got, no matter how bad it got, he and these other men would fulfill God's purpose for their lives. And that purpose was not to perish in this terrible storm. And so life is stormy. God is in control. And then thirdly, quite simply, trust him. Trust him. God is never surprised. Uh, when the disciples go to Jesus and wake him up, he's not all frantic, like, hey, what's going on? I don't know what to do. He's very calm, very cool, very collected. He was not surprised. Nothing happens without his being aware God is all-knowing. And you may feel alone in your storms. You're never alone. God knows all about it. And God is with you. But it is human to worry. It is human to be anxious. But Christians have the assurance that God can calm our storms. I want you to notice Jesus rebuked his disciples. Look down in verse 26. He said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? He rebuked them, then he rebuked the storm. He rebuked his disciples first. Not for asking for help, but he rebuked them for their lack of faith. In fact, if you look in verse 25, the disciples say, Lord, save us, we perish. Now, in the Greek, that we perish, what Peter's actually saying, or one of the disciples is saying, is, We are dying. We are right now dying. We are in the midst of dying. It's not like we're getting close, we're dying. Disciples asked for help 
without faith. And Jesus rebuked him. In fact, they were shocked when he calmed the storm. Look at verse 27. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, what did they expect? Why did they even ask? Jesus, we're dying. We don't want you to sleep through this. We want you to see us die. I guess that's what they were thinking. I don't know. They wake him up. He calms the storm. They're like, how did he do that? Who is this guy? The fact of the matter is, don't be shocked when God acts. Expect it. When you're in need, when you're going through a storm, and you ask God to help, Don't be shocked when he helps you. Expect it. And also expect this. That when God acts, he acts beyond our expectations. Paul would put it this way in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know what the disciples expected Jesus to do. They obviously did not expect him to calm the storm. But they wanted him awake to see them die, I guess. And what did Jesus do? Way above more than they asked. Way above more than they could even imagine. He says, peace, be still. And everything is just calm as glass. Here's the key, though. We must ask believing. Now, the disciples in this case, they're still learning, of course. They ask without faith. And that's why Jesus rebukes them. Oh, ye of little faith. We're literally not in the same boat they are. We have the word of God. We even have this story here. So we must ask believing. We must have faith. Look what Jesus says later in Matthew 21, 22. And all things. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. If this works, I want to show you maybe just a short clip of what this may have been like. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep.
Where is your faith? So my friends, remember, if God can control the weather, he can handle your problems. We can't even predict the weather accurately, right? You've heard it so, so many times. Uh, how is it that a weatherman can be wrong half the time and still keep his job? We can't even predict the weather with all the technology and everything we have. But God not only can predict the weather, he controls the weather. So stop trying to handle your problems yourself. Turn them over. Secondly, remember that God brings good out of bad situations. Remember we looked at Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God. So keep that in mind. Thirdly, remember God teaches, uh, God uses our storms to teach us and to mold us. After Jesus calms the storm, the disciples ask, Who is this man? And they learned, This man is Jesus who calms storms. They learned, This man is Jesus, the creator, and creation is subject to him. They learned that Jesus is the one to run to for help. Let me ask you, are you learning from your storms or just complaining? Now, we all complain when the storms come. None of us like when things aren't going perfectly smoothly. And we have a tendency to complain, but God has a purpose for that storm in your life. He wants to teach you. He wants to mold you. So I ask you again, are you learning or just complaining? And remember, too, that sometimes... God uses storms to get our attention. Because here's our tendency, even as believers, we ignore God in the good times. And then uh, we seek him in the crises. So as long as everything's going fine, we don't really think that much about God. We don't really need God because everything's going my way. And then all of a sudden the, the storms come and we then want God and we need God. Well, God desires a continual relationship with you, not a crisis relationship with you. Now, he's fine in the crisis. He wants to be, have a relationship with you in the crisis too. But he wants to have a relationship with you in the good times. He wants a continual relationship, not a crisis relationship. And so sometimes God will allow storms to come into our lives to get our attention to get us back in fellowship with him. God is the God of the good times. He's the God of the bad times. Just like human relationships. Those of you that have been married, you stood before a judge or stood before a pastor, and you said something like this, you know, you commit to each other in sickness and in health, rich and poor. Well, that's the way God wants to be with you. The good times, the bad times, all the times. Because God is there in the good times too. He is always with us. And remember this too, sometimes God doesn't calm the storm he calms the sailor. Now, this is something you should write down. He doesn't always calm the storm. He calms the sailor. Because God gives us his internal peace. Regardless of what is happening on the outside, he gives us his internal peace. And his peace is like no other. Here's how Paul describes it in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I want to focus on this word keep. Keep your hearts and mind. This is a military term. It means to guard, 
And so even though the enemy may be attacking from the outside, all the storms that may be coming from the outside, God has his sentry guarding our hearts and minds so that we can be at peace. And remember this finally. God cares about his children. God cares about his children. Again, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all our cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares about his children. So I want to ask you, are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? You say, well, what does that mean? Well, John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even them that believe on his name. Are you a child of God? Because you can be by grace through faith in Christ. How? Believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. That Jesus was buried for your sins. And the third day Jesus rose again from the dead. And when you truly believe and you truly receive Christ as your personal Savior, you become a child of God. And here's why this is so important. God has only obligated himself to his children. He has only obligated himself to his children. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't bless unbelievers. He does. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. But he's not obligated to do so. But God has obligated himself to his children. That's why it is critical that you be a child of God. Because the only way you know that God will be with you in the storms, the only way you know that it's going to work out for good, is if you are a child of God. Because God has obligated himself to you. If you're not a child of God, there's no guarantees. And certainly if you're not a child of God, there is no eternal guarantee for you other than the eternal guarantee of hell. And so if you want to be assured of help in this life and heaven in the life to come, You must become a child of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's guaranteed, not by the preacher, not by the church, but by God himself. So receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Having received him, trust him in the storms. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for this amazing story of the power that Jesus has over the weather. And so he certainly has power over the things in our lives. There may be some here who need to receive Christ as their personal Savior. Having never done that, give them grace and faith right here, right now, today. But for those of us who are your children already, give us faith to trust you more. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.